Specialty Story, session number 61. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. And welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, bringing you hopefully a new guest. I say hopefully because it's been hard getting guests, and I said a week or two ago that I was thinking about possibly not running these podcasts every week until I was able to get more specialists to come on. So if you have connections, a physician you've shadowed, a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, whoever it may be, somebody who's out of training, not in the military. I got a lot of emails with military physicians. Uh, Even though I am a former military physician, uh, I am purposefully avoiding talking about military physicians here on the podcast because it's such a small percentage of people who are going into military medicine. So with that said, shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net if you know any specialists that would like to or you would like to have on the podcast. Check with them, email me their contact info, and we'll hopefully make it happen. This week, I am excited to talk to a physician who's been out in practice now for 15 years, a community-based pediatrician. Now, several weeks ago, I talked to a rural general pediatrician, and so we'll get to hear some differences between rural medicine and community-based, more in an urban center, general pediatrics. This week, I'm excited to have Dr. Catherine McElhaney on to talk about general pediatrics in a community setting. Catherine, when did you realize that you wanted to be a pediatrician? Probably it was my third year peds rotation because I honestly, I just had so much fun with the kids. And I'm sure that you hear that from every pediatrician you talk to, but it really was the truth. And medicine is such a hard career, you know, in many ways that if you can have some fun almost every day in some part of your job, it's totally worth it. So, and they're so, there's the kids are so incredibly resilient despite what they go, some of them go through that that was part of it too. But probably fall of my, I did that probably fall in my third year. So I knew I wanted to at least do that. And then I thought about doing med peds, but then I decided to stick with peds. What else before your pediatrician or pediatrics rotation, what else were you thinking about? I actually really thought I wanted to be gyn, but then I got into my rotations and realized I do not want to be a surgeon (laughs) of any type, nothing against surgery, but I realized it was not for me. So, um, that sort of ruled that out. Um, and so, uh, then I thought about, I thought about doing med peds. I realized, I thought the scope of family medicine was so incredibly broad that I was worried it would be just so much to have to know all the time that, um, I thought maybe I wanted to be a little bit narrower. And then after doing my adult medicine rotations, I realized, you know, I think I want to stick with the kids. And also I loved some of the subspecialties in pediatrics. I thought about, um, I ended up not going into them, but um, so I, that was sort of also, I did some hemoc and some other things and was somewhat interested in those at the time. And so that was sort of also pushed me in that direction. When a pediatrician talks about loving kids, 
the other part of the equation is the parents. How do you mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. did you work that into your algorithm of choosing a specialty? <laughs> you know, I think that I had really seriously thought about going into like med peds. And so I like working with the parents. Um, it definitely is. You definitely can't go into it thinking, well, all you're doing is playing with kids all day long. Cause that's definitely not what we do. Um, although we have a lot of fun with our patients, but there's a big part of what we do is educating parents, working with parents and also sometimes like crisis management or dealing with parents who are really in a very stressful, obviously difficult situation if they're really worried about their child. Um, and so I think that's a huge part of what we do. The other part of this is that now that I'm a parent, um, I think I actually think of this as a bigger and bigger responsibility every year that I do this. And I actually find it to be a weightier responsibility each year. Um, in fact, I was joking, only half joking with a friend of mine today who is a pediatrician. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I think this is just too hard. (laughs) You know, we were joking about, oh my gosh, you know, when we think about our own kids and how much we adore our own children. Wow. It just feels like what I didn't realize really what I was stepping into when I went into pediatrics, because you're really taking care of the person who is probably the most important person in most people's lives if they have their own children. So um, I try not to think about that every time I go to work because sometimes it's a little intimidating, but, but anyway, so yes, it's it's, interacting with parents is obviously a huge part of what we do. And, you know, you have to be able to work with adults well and appropriately, obviously to go into pediatrics. So for somebody who hasn't heard of that term med-peds, can you explain briefly what that means? That's a combined adult uh, sort of internal medicine and pediatrics training so that you would be fully qualified to do the full scope of adult uh, internal medicine plus pediatrics care. So it's kind of like family medicine, except that you're not doing OB. Well, I suppose you're doing some forms of adult GYN, like um, sort of well woman care, but you would not be doing sort of GYN procedures like uh, family medicine might do some of those in-office procedures. So it's it's sort of, you don't have the OB, obviously, and you don't have some of the more specific GYN type. You know, you're not doing like an endometrial biopsy in your office or things like that. So talk about the types of patients that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. What sort of diseases, pathologies, treatments mm-hmm. are you doing? One of the things I love about my job and the work I do is that I literally in a day will see anything, everything from a, you know, three-day-old to like a 19-year-old every possible age in between. So, um, I mean, I will go from seeing, you know, a two day old that's, you know, the family that's their first child making sure they're gaining weight. Well, you know, looking okay to, I mean, I've literally seen a 19 year old having a first probably psychotic, like schizophrenic break to, um, I mean, I've diagnosed cancer in my office. I've, I see a lot of sort of healthy, well children in my office, just growing and developing normally. Um, I work in a population with a fair number of kids who are really struggling in school. I see a lot of behavior issues in in my office as well. You know, we see a fair amount of like contraception counseling, sexually transmitted disease testing in teenagers. It's actually an extremely diverse and I think fairly interesting scope of diseases um, that we see in pediatrics. Although I think a lot of people who aren't doing pediatrics probably think we're just seeing a bunch of colds and things like that, you know, most of the day. Because I I think sometimes you can think, oh, you know, you're just seeing low acuity stuff. But, But the hard thing about pediatrics is that you'll see a lot of kids like in the winter with sort of the same chief complaint, but you have to be able to find the one that has something that's unusual. And that can be really, really hard. And that's part of why you have to be well trained and just see a high volume of kids and, and, you know, um, just keep always thinking 
you know, who is going to be the zebra out of all these horses. Now, you're in a setting where you're not working directly, for the most part, with residents in an academic setting. Was right. there a, a choice behind why you chose to not be more in an academic center with residents and med students? You know, I have actually, ironically, I used to work in a setting like that because I did some urgent and sort of emergency care prior to what I do now. And it's just sort of the way it ended up. I think that there are more opportunities for that now, I think, in community pediatrics than maybe there used to be. I think that I, for instance, knew that I did not want to do like academic general pediatrics, which is typically you do a, a research or academic like fellowship with like an MPH and this kind of thing. And that just, I knew that wasn't really my interest. Um, and so sometimes there are not, that traditionally was sort of the road you went down if you were going to do a lot of teaching. Um, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. And I really enjoy that. Although when I went into general peds to do, to be a regular primary care pediatrician, I started doing that four years ago. I've done various different things since I finished residency that were all in pediatrics, but um, I sort of chose when I was first going into being a regular office pediatrician, I thought, let me get my feet wet here and figure out what I'm doing before I try to teach some residents. Um, you know, uh, I think now I'm in a position now where I've been doing it for four years and feel more comfortable and, and could do it, could do that. But I think in the beginning, I wanted to just make sure I kind of got my learning curve, um, you know, done first. Um, because it's a really, it's actually very different from when I got done with my residency, I had some clinic training, but there's a whole lot. I mean, no matter what specialty you go through training in, that there's a ton you learn on the job, no matter how well trained you are when you finish. And <laughs> so you're, you're kind of always learning. Yeah. Describe a typical day. I work in a setting where I don't do any inpatient or like nursery rounding. Um, that can vary, you know, among pediatric jobs. But I basically start at about 7.55 with my first patient. And we have about at my clinic, we're generally our schedule is about 24 patients a day. And so I'm basically seeing any number of well visits or sick visits. I'd say most days, I'd say most weeks I send probably a couple kids to the ER. I probably don't admit that many kids during the average week, but usually at least once a month, I'll admit a couple kids. And part of that is because at my, where I work, we have a lot more ability to do some observation in our ER than say at a lot of places. So there are a lot of kids that we would not admit that a lot of smaller areas would admit. So that's just partly driven by where I work. For somebody who's interested in doing a lot of procedures, how, how much opportunity is there for a gen ped stock to do procedures? I'd say the number one biggest opportunity is if you're working in a little bit of a smaller area, those docs do tons. Or if you want to do, for instance, at my current office, it's a little difficult to do things like suturing just because of the way my schedule's set up. We just don't have as much time to do those procedures. I'm certainly trained to do that. Um, but certainly there are, especially in slightly smaller areas within the state I work in, absolutely there are docs who, for instance, do all their own admissions. If a kid needs a spinal tap, they do it. Um, you know, they do the inpatient side of things. They go to deliveries. They stabilize infants. If there are small preemies that are born at, like, say, community hospital in the mountains, they get them ready and get them shipped out to larger centers, you know, that kind of thing. So there's potentially a large, a big chance if you're willing to live in a slightly smaller area. And I don't mean a teensy town, but just a slightly smaller area. I think in the large, large, large metro areas, 
it's a little harder, mostly because of just the way most of the practices are set up. And nowadays, there are a lot more hospitalists around. And so that that's changed. But even since I finished my training 15 years ago, 15 years ago when I was training, um, there were a there were more private practices that did their own hospitalist work, and that has really gone down. Um, and I don't know about other parts of the U.S., but certainly where I am, that's really dropped. Um, but there are some that still do. It's just I think some of that is a function, too, in pediatrics of having available pediatric nursing care in community hospitals. So some of it has really changed because of that, not necessarily so much that the pediatricians themselves don't really want to do it. Um, so I think in, like, adult medicine, it's probably – that's definitely probably um, – a different situation than what we see in pediatrics now. Do you have to take a lot of call? I shouldn't say this out loud because I'm sure everyone listening to this will say, oh my God, but I actually only take a couple weeks of call a year. Um, so I have a very nice setup. Um, I'd say it varies by practice. I'm in an employed, I'm a, uh, I'm an employee for like a group. Um, it really varies place to place and definitely, you know, depending on like what size of a community you're in as well, that varies. Do you feel like you have enough time for your family? I do. I don't work five days a week. And that's specifically because I have a couple kids and one of my children has quite a lot of uh, medical needs. And so, you know, I, I try to balance those things because um, one of them has more needs than maybe the average kid. So, but I think so. And I think, you know, I think most pediatricians, I think they're pretty aware that people have lives outside of medicine and they're pretty balanced. I will say that primary care just in general sometimes is tough because you're kind of like the buck sort of stops with you, you know, um, to figure stuff out. And if the specialist you send someone to hasn't been able to figure it out, <laughs> you know, the patient's back to see you and thinking, okay, what are you going to do now? And, you know, so I just say that as sometimes it's a lot of responsibility, you know, and depending on your personality, you know, sometimes I will lie awake thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this patient? And, you know, and then I think, okay, I need to get some sleep so I can actually think about this patient tomorrow. But, you know, um, I, I really like primary care. I think also that it is, um, it's not easy. It's challenging. And, um, you know, but I think that in peds, most of the people in pediatrics, I think are, are pretty happy and I think are pretty, uh, have a pretty good balance, you know, and I think also just the people that go into pediatrics are pretty much looking out for each other as far as, you know, everyone knows that, that people have lives outside of medicine and, and they generally want to preserve those for themselves and for their colleagues. So we, we had a rural pediatrician on before and she talked about the training path to become a pediatrician, three, mm -hmm. three years of residency mm -hmm. for you, what do you think is the biggest piece of choosing where to do your training? You know, it's interesting. I really wanted actually to train somewhere with a charity type hospital um, or public safety net hospital where I got to take call as like an upper level resident and had a lot of responsibility because I really, really wanted that experience. So that was a big part of where I ended up going. Um, and that was partly because where I went to medical school had a large county hospital system. And I went through a lot of those for my different rotations. I think that if you really don't know what you want to do and you're not sure if you'd want to go into some kind of subspecialty or not, that going somewhere that's really a very strong program and that also has a really good primary care focus and like clinic structure is good. Because, 
you know, you may start out thinking, oh yeah, I want to be a specialist and I want to do academics and everything. But sometimes that stuff changes and um, you want to make sure that you go somewhere that's, you know, a well-rounded, strong program. But I think just also going where you're going to be happy. I mean, I remember interviewing quite a few different places and I can think of one place I went to that, you know, I realized, I mean, it was really, an, it's an outstanding program. Obviously, I'm not going to say my name, but it's, it's incredible. I just felt like, oh my gosh, you know, everyone there had an MD, PhD. And I thought, that's just not me. And I don't think that's, I mean, they were awesome. But I thought, I don't think this is going to be the right fit for me. And, you know, I, I chose a different program because, you know, I just felt like it was a better fit. So I think also thinking of where are you going to be happy and, and feel like you fit in well, because it's a long three years, you know, it's a lot of call, it's a lot of hours. And, and I would also not go too far from your support network because, because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I also met some of my closest friends in the entire world are friends of mine from residency. They're just wonderful people. And I, you know, so I, I was really happy I went where I t- went where I did. For the osteopathic student listening to this, what sort of negative bias, if any, do you see towards DOs in the pediatric world? You know, I really don't. Um, and I actually am originally from Oklahoma, which has a very large osteopathic presence. And my, I, I'm from Tulsa, which has a very well-regarded osteopathic medical school. Um, I actually really don't. Um, I probably 25 years ago, I would, ha- I would say, yeah, there was a little bit different. Um, so maybe 10 years before I started my training, but, um, I don't really see it now. I suppose if you said, well, I want to go to, you know, Boston children's and do, I mean, I don't know. I'm making something up here. I don't know. Some super, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would make it. I don't know. But, um, but I, I don't certainly where I trained, I don't see it as an issue. And, um, we had some DOs in my residency program and it's a very hard residency to get into. So, you know, I, I didn't see it as an issue. What are some of the more common subspecialties for pediatrics? Hematology, oncology, probably cardiology, like gastroenterology. You know, the interesting thing about pediatrics especially is, and this is, I think, a point worth noting, is that there's a much larger academic emphasis in pediatric specialties than in the adult world. So if, if someone's sort of, you know, I have to do, I mean, I don't know, cardiology, and that's just, I don't care if it's kids or adults, I just have to do that. And I absolutely don't ever want to do academics except whatever I have to do to go through a fellowship or whatever. You know, there's a lot fewer jobs in pediatric subspecialties that are non-academic. That's just, um, at least that's been my understanding. Now, I suppose in something like allergy or some things like, like that, it's less of an issue. But certainly in a lot of the subspecialties, like if you want to do hematology, oncology, in pediatrics, you're virtually 100% looking at an academic career. I mean, there's a few non-academic places, but there's just not the dem- the population to support th- that kind of really complicated work that needs a huge amount of technological and subspecialty support, something like HEMOC, um, you know, which needs ICU and, you know, all these other subspecialists with it. Um, so I, I think that's something that's very different in peds than in the adult world. I think, you know, the adult world... Um, you know, you can do ICU and, and not do academics. There's some, there's some ICU, there's actually probably quite a bit of ICU in peds that's not academic, but there's a lot less like HEMOC in pediatrics that's not academic. So if you're, you know, absolutely don't want to do academics and you're desperate to do hematology, oncology, you know, pediatrics might not be the right choice. For the future subspecialists, pediatric subspecialists listening to this, 
What do you want them to know about what you do day in and day out to help you take care of your patients better? Number one, if it sounds like a really stupid referral, it may be that the parent literally would take no for an answer, (laughs) which sounds really horrible to say, but I actually don't have that very often in my patient population. But, you know, I think um, that never hesitate to call me if you're kind of puzzled by something or there's some hole in the story that you can't figure out. Because sometimes we know a little more or if if the specialist is thinking, what is going on? You know, what? You know, um, sometimes we as the primary care doc can fill in some of those gaps, you know, or sort out why the family seems so anxious about X, Y, or Z, you know, and they can't quite figure out why, or, you know, they've tried to calm this family down and they can't, you know, or something. I mean, sometimes we have some context, you know, um, that they may not have, but also, and just, you know, yeah, just, um, you know, feel free to, to just call us. Cause I, you know, everything's on electronic medical records now. And, you know, um, which is, sort of new since when I was training, everything was still on paper pretty much, which I sound very old saying that, but um, (laughs) I feel very old saying that. Um, But, you know, even just picking up the phone and calling us, you know, for just five minutes, sometimes we'll save, you know, a massive amount of time at at the back end. So don't ever hesitate to call us. And like, I'm happy to come out of a room and talk to any specialist that calls. What specialists are you working the closest with? The people I use probably the most in pediatrics as far as, I mean, probably I use cardiology, infectious disease, derm, and probably GI the most. Um, luckily, I don't use hemoc terribly often, um, which is good. I use pulmonary and allergy a ton because we see so much asthma and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, so we actually use quite a, we use a whole variety. The one that we need more of is developmental behavioral pediatrics, quite frankly, and like mental health support because that is one part of pediatrics that, um, I think has, that is that we as general pediatricians end up, um, having to try to manage a lot more than probably we feel comfortable, uh, managing. And luckily where I work, I have quite good support, but there's a lot of people out there that don't. Um, so we see a lot of uh, mental health issues too now in kids and teenagers that, um, I think that's probably gone up a lot in the last 15, 20 years. So what sort of special opportunities, if any, are there for pediatricians outside of clinical work? I have a close friend, actually, who's an MD-PhD, peds hemoc, fully trained peds hemoc, and she's actually doing drug development. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into pediatrics? Number one, I wish I had known how much better I would be at it once I became a parent, um, because when I think of a few of the, a few things I told people to do like how to sleep train their kids or deal with certain little like (laughs) behavioral or things that I, oh my gosh, when I think of a couple things I told people, now I think, oh my gosh, I wish I could call that parent and tell them, oh my heavens, I'm sorry I told you to do that because I'm sure that didn't work and I'm sure you thought I was insane. A little Um, less judgment now. Yes. (laughs) Um, Or just stuff that I think, sure, yeah, ignore that. You just can't ignore that. It's impossible, you know. Um, You know, I think like I alluded to before, really the incredible responsibility and privilege it is to take care of someone's kid. Because truly, I mean, if something were to happen to one of my children, I would, I don't think I would ever recover. And I'm sure my husband feels the same way. And to me that, you know, there is no greater stress in life than seeing your, one of your children have any kind of medical issue or difficulty and having, I mean, cause I've been through that with one of my kids and I just, it is an incredible privilege for someone to trust their child's health, 
trust me with their child's health. And, and yet at the same time, it's sometimes I think, oh my gosh, this is, you know, maybe I should have been a bank teller or something instead. Cause some days I think, oh, this is such a weighty responsibility, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, I love what I do. It's just, you know, there are some days where you think, oh, wow, you know, this is a tough job. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think pediatrics is, it's great. There are some times when you have to give someone really bad news or really hard, go through some hard things. And that's really difficult. Um, and it's really hard when it's someone's beloved child. Um, and that I think, I, I sort of knew that, but I didn't really know that until I had my own kids. And then suddenly I thought, oh my God, you know, that would, that is really, really rough. So, but at the same time, then you see those kids doing great and you think, well, geez, you know, an adult would be knocked completely flat by this. And look at this kid. They're just trucking right along. And that's really why I do it. And my friends who are pediatricians, we all say the same thing. Yeah. What do you like the most about being a pediatrician? Honestly, the, my patients and also my colleagues, because truly, I mean, they're sort of, we're all each other's tribe. Like we all, and I'm sure this is true, you know, whatever subspecialty or specialty people choose, you know, you, you end up with a lot of people who are, you know, you're just sort of tuned the same way. And, and, you know, in fact, we always laugh, you know, when we have, we have different specialists that kind of come through our clinic sometimes, um, uh, because of where I work and, we always joke, oh yeah, you know, you know, it's so-and-so is here today because just, you know, we just make little jokes about the different specialties sort of way of interacting with our nurses or whatever. And of course I'm not going to name any specialists or what they're doing, but it's just funny because it's more just that you can predict kind of, you know, because they all have their personalities. So, but yeah, honestly, my colleagues are the other thing is just everyone, everyone I work with loves kids, is very committed to population health of the children in the U.S., wants to see them have access to care, you know, wants to do whatever they can for kids to grow up healthy and in safe environments and wants to advocate for that. And and I just think that's great. What do you like the least? Probably wrestling a one-year-old and trying to get their ears clear of <laughs> wax to see their ears when they have a fever. It's not very fun. <laughs> and the, the parents isn't holding them down as right and you're strong. like can you please hold the head and they're kind of not really doing it no but i don't want to hurt them yeah you know but no i mean honestly probably the hardest thing is people that don't want to vaccinate their kids because yeah. i i know they're they care about their child and they think they're making the right decision but it's it's sometimes really hard because we feel like please keep your child safe you know yeah so and the other immunocompromised kids safe too Yes. <laughs> Ironically, my child is one of those. So I, especially since now my child can't get certain vaccines, I, um, I really think, oh, please vaccinate your child or else don't bring them to my house. Yeah. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of pediatrics, whether that's the, the way things are practiced or technologies? I don't know that I have my finger on the pulse of that as well as I probably should. EMR, you know. Yeah. Everyone's going to be on the EMR. I mean, there are a few people that aren't, but we are, you know, but I, one of the things that I think is sort of like um, telemedicine is a big issue right now. I think just, or I'm sure, you know, at least it seems to be, I I do think that one of the things that a lot of pediatricians, um, we struggle with sometimes is that sometimes our patients go places and sometimes get care that is maybe not quite what we would have done. And I think sometimes pediatricians get a little bit of a, kind of prima donna type um, 
reputation. Oh, those pediatricians, they think no one else can take care of kids. And, ah, you know, and, and it's not true, but, but there are some times when it's mostly that actually the irony is that pediatricians, we're probably the least interventionist, um, of anyone with our own patients. You know, our patients actually go other places and probably get more stuff done than we would have done, which is sort of the irony, you know, and we always think, oh gosh, we wouldn't have put them through that, (laughs) you know? So a lot of it is that we just, if anything, it's just things like telemedicine for pediatrics. I just don't know how well that's going to work because it's just, how are you going to look in a one-year-old's ear using, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I wonder about that kind of thing for some of those diagnoses. We all think, gosh, it's hard enough to do it in the office. How are people going to do it, you know, doing, doing it that way? But I don't know. I'll be curious to see what happens. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a pediatrician? I think I would. I mean, even if I have a hard day, it's, I mean, how, you know, I get to say like, high five, you know, and have my little patients give me a high five. And it's like, you know, I've had a patient give me a hug and like draw me a picture. And I'm like, you know, what other job do you get to have that happen? I mean, it's pretty great. Any last words of wisdom for the pre-med or med student out there thinking they're interested in pediatrics? You know, I think definitely make sure that you realize that it's the parents and not just the kid which, you know, is important. But the other thing is just always remember that it's really about what you're going to be happy doing. And also look at, compare yourself to the other people going into it. And like when you do your rotations, think about like, could I work with these people? Because that's really important. You know, you want to make sure you could like sign your patients out or, you know, trust your colleagues or feel like, you know, you could really enjoy working with them. Because honestly, I don't even work full time, but my colleagues at work, I work with them so much. It's like they are, I spend so much time with them that the only people I spend more time with are my own family. And so you really want to be in a field where not only do you really love the patients, but your colleagues and you are very similar sort of tuned personalities. And so I think, you know, try not to just look at things like the work hours, the prestige, the money, et cetera, even though of course those things are important, but really, you know, long-term happiness, you know, you need to feel like you fit and don't try to put a square peg into a round hole all the time. Even if you always thought you're going to do something, one thing, you know, be flexible and think about where do you really fit? Because that's really going to, you know, it's a long, you're going to work for a long time. And my colleagues, I mean, they're awesome. We laugh about stuff. We, and we just, we all went into it for those same reasons, you know, and so we're very similar people as far as just same outlooks on life, et cetera. And so it's just a really great group of people to work with every day. All right, there you have it. Again, that was Dr. Catherine McElhaney talking about her journey into pediatrics, what you should expect or see from pediatrics. And if you are interested in pediatrics, what you should do as next steps. Hope you have a great week. Remember, if you know a physician who you would like to hear on the podcast, shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Have a great week.